Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. They say it's a marathon and not a sprint, and the race is just starting after four episodes. The Total Bees She's show debuted on Chartable, the top 100 wrestling podcasts in Canada. We were number 25, and there's actually been reports we actually averaged higher over the four episodes, so things are very rosy in our world in the Total Bees She's show. We've got an action-packed show. I gotta say, before we put ourselves over for getting into the top 25 it has nothing to do with me and it has a little bit more to do with producer Chris who was able to put together this podcast and make it sound professional and be very technical and be a great co-host but more important than that it's the listeners who made us a top 25 podcast for wrestling in Canada and we're only getting started I promise it is a race it is a marathon we are going to move up those standings I guarantee it producer Chris how are you today I am doing fantastic today and you know I, I, I'm over the moon with the charitable numbers. Like, how could you not be over the moon with that? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I ex, I kind of hoped, like, hoped against hope, like top 100, right? Yeah. Top 100. Let's hope for that. And then I saw those numbers, and I was like, this can't be right. I'm going to give it a day, and I'm going to come back to it. Because I have a tendency to, if I'm tracking a package, for example, from Canada Post, I'm tracking it every 15 minutes. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get into that. So I was like, I'm going to come back to it tomorrow. Came back to it tomorrow. And it was still holding steady. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a process. We had always known that we were going to try to get listed on Chartable. And then we worked on it last week. And we worked with the people at Chartable to find out exactly where we were. And our first day, it actually showed us at number 15 yeah we 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 came out of the gates hot and then it went all the way to number 40 and oh i was i felt dejected and then it settled in at 25 was the actual number we consulted with chartable and they said actually your numbers are amazing considering we're two guys that you know we're not jim Cornette, we're not chris jericho and we're not any of those big ones that conrad does but we're right in the same conversation as those guys it's a hell of a start we're really happy about it and again it's not you and it's not me Uh, it's more you than me it's the listeners though yeah but the listeners who make the effort every single week to listen is really what is valuable for us right now and I appreciate it all and I've got actually a couple shout outs I wanted to make right off the get-go my friend he's been my friend for years Dave Patrician is a loyal listener and he sent over he is a a director at Mary Brown's chicken and he sent over two gift cards just to say thank you and to tell us we're doing a great job on the show I love Mary Brown's too yeah well you're going to be going so here's what we're going to do this week we're both going to use our gift card we're going to go to Mary Brown's chicken and next week we're going to tell you what we ordered and how good it was All right, that sounds good I'm I'm excited about that I think that's a favor we can do to Dave also I wanted to shout out to Superfan Dan now it's funny I talk about our our, uh, PayPal and I I never really thought somebody was going to send money in Superfan Dan maybe it's Dan King also known as Will Damon. Maybe that could be. Maybe it's Danny Duggan. I only know it's Super Fan Dan, and he sent $5 in, and it's specifically going to you. Oh, yeah. Because when I thanks tips you last week, yeah. everyone thought I was kind of a jerk. So they said, make sure Chris gets this $5 <laughs> to go buy a coffee and a donut. To so, go buy a box of tissues. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't think that's what he said. He said a coffee and a donut. So, Chris, that's going to you. Thank you to <laughs> okay. Super Fan Dan. Thank you, Dan. He sent it to totalbeeshees at gmail.com. That's our PayPal, and I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that. It, it flattered me to no end. Thank you, Dan. And also, my favorite bartender, he works at the world-famous Palomino Club. If you ever make it to Winnipeg, you need to go to the world-famous Palomino Club, and you need to find Scotty, the bartender, and he'll put on a show for you. He's good. He'll make you the best drink you've ever had, just one drink, and he'll put on a show for you. He'll make as many drinks as you want, but his thing is just one just one drink. I think that's his hashtag, if I'm not mistaken. But Scotty, he, he sent us a message, and he kind of he told us that next time we're down at the Pal, he's going to put on a special show for us. All right. Yeah, he's one of... He, he reminds me almost of Tom Cruise in Cocktail. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when you were yeah. saying put on a show. I was thinking of that. Yeah, I was like, well, I, I hope it's like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, so he's like... He's an entertainer as he bartends, He's and he's... The best bartender in town. I'm thankful for that. So once again, thank you to Dave at Mary Brown's Chicken. Thank you to Superfan Dan, whichever Dan you are. And thank you to Scotty, the bartender at the world-famous Palomino Club. 
This is why we're doing the show. We wanted people to tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Leave a three-star rating on your podcast because we don't want to be a five-star podcast because we always have room to improve. Follow us on all of our social media. That's Facebook, The Total Beeshees, Twitter, at The Total Beeshees, Instagram, at The Total Beeshees, coming soon to YouTube. Yep. And we might even do TikTok, too. I don't know. We'll do it all. We'll, we'll do whatever we can do. And I have to cop to a little bit of something from last week. Uh, I had a little bit of an issue mastering the show. So I heard the, the criticism that it was just a little bit quiet, just yeah. a little bit quiet this week. It's not going to be quiet. When I heard that, when I heard that, I think people were just turning the volume down when I talk. Maybe. Yeah, that's. Uh, oh, I, I, I thought, oh, just on. turn it up. Ah. Yeah. All right, everyone. We're going to be back. We have our first ever guest is coming up later on the show. We're going to talk about heels, and we have a shout out. Twenty-year Canadian indie wrestling veteran Rob Stardom has done it all: wrestling in Japan, Mexico, and many places in between. But he's winding down his career. He's not done yet, though. Follow along on the journey of Canadian strong style Rob Stardom as he checks a few more things off his bucket list. Check out the Rob Stardom vlog on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and search Rob Stardom vlog. And don't forget to leave a comment saying the Total B She's podcast sent you. So we went on Twitter this week at Total B She's and thanks to being on Chartable, I said I was going to reward the listeners because one of the things we hear is, Mike, you got to tell more stories. And I've been saving stories, which a lot of people don't understand why I don't hit all my high spots all at once. And so we asked people to vote. There was four choices. One was Davidson's going to hell and that's the one that won and I'm going to tell that story. And the other one was the Rokuby Rib that we always talk about, but nobody, not enough people voted for that. They came in second. Yeah. Third place was the cat fished promoter which i have some great stories about that that thing that happened and the last one was hulk's late for the road trip so there's three more great stories that we're not telling today but the one that won was davidson's going to hell and i've talked about this before because of my history of pulling ribs everyone believes i'm going to go to hell whether i like it or not but that's not why i'm going to hell actually why i'm going to hell is this this is a true story everybody and i'm actually not proud of it unfortunately it's funny and that's part of why I'm going to hell. Um, there is an age-old tradition, and it's like a rule, that you never laugh at a wrestler that gets hurt in the ring. And it's a, and it's 100% legitimate. You should never, ever laugh at a guy who gets hurt. And I've broken that rule. And I'm going to tell that story. And I'm sorry you're all going to laugh at the end of it like I laughed. And we're all going to go to hell together. Here's what happened. There was a wrestler. He's actually infamous in Winnipeg wrestling scene. Yeah. The Tulip. And he wore a pink leotard jumpsuit from head to toe. And he was a he was a pretty good enhancement guy for Tony Candelo's WFWA in the late 80s. In fact, there's a match on YouTube of him wrestling Ken Patera. And so in about 2000, yeah, 2001, he was still coming around and working the odd show. So he's about a 15-year veteran at this time. And he was put in a tag team match. It was him and a partner, I think Pete Moss. And I, I love Pete Moss. The I illustrious got, Pete Moss. Yeah, I got great stories about Pete Moss. Um, and they were up against two young up-and-comers who had, uh, who had a good size, Steve Cox and Dave Dixon. Steve Cox had great arms. <laughs> and Dave Dixon, was a, he was a decent heavyweight. Yeah. But at this time, they were, pretty, they were pretty green. They were pretty new. So... The tag team was Steve Cox and Dave Dixon against the Tulip and Pete Moss. And the finish called for a double choke slam on the Tulip. One, two, three. So they go into it. Boom, 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 boom. Get to the finish. Boom. One, two, three. They pin him. And I'm watching. And it, was, it looked a little clumsy on the finish, the double choke slam. Not an easy move to do because your timing has to be so perfect. Maybe you know that. Yep. Maybe you've taken one. Absolutely. So... They come back after selling their victory in the ring, and, they, and Tulip's not really moving, and I, I think he's selling a little hard. And Cox or Dixon says to me, he's hurt. I don't know what it is. He, he's hurt. He went down funny. And it did look like he went down funny. Now, I'm not laughing at this point. I'm worried about the guy. So uh, I send out the other ref, and, and Pete Moss is still out there, and I think I might have sent out one or two other guys help him out, and he comes back, and... And, I, and I'm outside, or no, he comes right back, and he's like, you can tell he's hurt and he's exasperated, and I can't tell if he's just out of wind or if he's, if he's injured. So I go following him out the back, and outside, Brian Jewell's outside smoking a cigarette. Shout out to Brian Jewell. <laughs> yeah. 
Dottie DiCaprio's outside. There's a few others of us. Everyone who witnessed this is going to tell you that the way I tell this story is exactly what happened. And you're going to, I'm going to be amazed at how many people were outside to see this. I think Ryan Wood was outside. Um, Axe might have been outside. But anyway, so he's like, oh, my God. He's like, ah, 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 my shoulder, my shoulder. It's separated. It's separated. I'm not laughing yet because that's a serious injury. And I feel bad for the guy at this point. I, I, feel, I love the tulip. He's a great guy. Anyway, he, he's my Facebook friend, so I'm, I want to say, like, I'm going to hell and I know it because of what happened here. So in every wrestling locker room, there is always one veteran who is like the doctor of the locker room. Now, he never went to medical school. And in some cases, he probably has no education on how to fix an injury. He's not a, he maybe doesn't even know CPR, right? In this case, it was... Bad boy Brian Jewell. Uh, he's, a, he's a doctor in the same way Dr. Pepper's a doctor. Ah, well, you'll you'll find out as I tell the story. So Jewell's got a cigarette in his mouth, and he's like, I'll fix it. And uh, Tulip's like, you'll fix it, Brian? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'll fix it. And now I start to know, oh, this is not going to go well. I should have intervened. I was the booker. I should have said, Brian, we're going to take him right to the hospital, right? But Brian said, I've done it a 100 times. So Brian gets up. And he uh, has a smoke in his mouth, and he goes and he grabs the tulip, and he puts Tulip's hand. It's kind of like a weird thing. He has both hands. Brian's two hands are locked on Tulip's shoulder. Right. And Tulip's arm is straight out on Brian's shoulder. And I know whatever is about to happen could go real bad. I haven't laughed yet, and I don't intend to. I'm going to try to tell the story without laughing, and I'm going to do my best. And Tulip, you can tell he's nervous, and he says... I trust you, Brian. I trust you. Those are the famous last words. I trust you, Brian. I trust you. Brian jumps up and puts pressure down, and all you hear is, Ah! It didn't go! It didn't go! It didn't go! And I lost it. I, oh, no. I'm going to hell again. I laughed so hard. All of us. We couldn't laugh in front of the tulip because the poor guy's in excruciating pain. So we all run around the corner all at once. So the poor guy is just, he's just, he's just screaming in pain. Ah, didn't know. And we all run around the corner at once so we can let the laughter out. Uh, so all of us are going to hell. Everyone who's heard this story right now and is laughing, we're going to hell together. The tulip was hurt. The best part of the story was promoter Bobby J comes to the back in his white minivan. And he's like... I'll take you to the I'll take you to the hospital. So poor Tulip, who's in excruciating pain at this point, now has to go to the hospital, the Victoria Hospital in Winnipeg, wearing pink leather wrestling boots, a pink leotard from head to toe, and he has oh. to wait in the waiting room until the doctors can see him, and and treat his shoulder. I remember that leotard. I'm pretty sure he had tulips on the leotard. Yes, as he well. did. Yes, yeah. he did. And we'll put a picture on social media. So that's why I'm going to hell. The tulip, it didn't go. So whenever you hear see me on social media, hashtag it didn't go, and I usually am talking about Lotto Max, it's also a callback to the tulip in his shoulder. Tulip, if you're listening to this, please understand I'm very sorry. I know I'm going to hell. You're still my friend. You're always going to be a legend in my eyes, and I'm sorry for your shoulder. And maybe someday we'll be able to get in touch with the tulip because it would be interesting to hear his recollection of that story because it's always a little different. When you're in pain... And when you're put into further pain, because be careful he, where you yeah. go, because if he comes on here, he might not be forgiving, and he might come on and cuss me out. Well, that'd be perfect. But no, how could, that's how, not perfect. how could anybody not forgive Mike Davidson? I laughed at a man who was almost crying out in pain. That, yeah, that's true. That's but, why I'm going to hell. I don't know if we need to bring Tulip on to make it worse. Yeah, that's that's. What's a, he going to say? Yes, my shoulder was ripped out of its socket. And Mike Davidson was and, laughing. And to find out, because he probably didn't know I went around the corner and laughed. He probably thought all of us went running away because we were running for help, right? He doesn't know that we're laughing at him, right? So now... He might be hot again. Well, yeah, how, it's 20 years later, but I can't promise this guy isn't going to want to strangle me. He might pull it. He right. might channel his inner Omar Nicholas. Okay, Mike Davidson, you're the devil. <laughs> you're the devil, Mike so Davidson. So I'm going to hell. That's why. That's the story. <sighs> I love that story. The other thing that we're pretty uh, well known for at this point after four episodes, the people that know us know us well, is that we talk about the economics of independent wrestling, and we try to really dig deep and... I wanted to shout out to my friends at 3D Pro Wrestling that are going to run their first show this Thursday in Winnipeg. Uh, I wish them the best. 
there's they they have hit the ground running with a pretty good social media campaign, pretty decent graphic design, which is very important. I always talk about that, and they're it's going to be interesting because they're running with a most with a completely local roster. I think they might have a few Minnesota guys driving up for it. Um, one of the feature matchups is uh, Don Douglas, Stefan Epic coming out of retirement to take on Robbie Royce, who's a legend. Um, I hope they do really well. I'm a little concerned. I'll tell you what I'm concerned about. That ticket price. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love these guys. I want them to succeed. Their ticket price is $20 in advance, $25 at the door, so make sure you get at them in advance. Save the $5. I'm concerned. You know I, you know what I think is the ticket threshold. It should be 15 and then if you're going to add the value, demonstrate the added right. value. But if they can get it, great. Like Danny Duggan just ran his homecoming show, and he he was charging twenty two and twenty five, and he sold out one hundred and sixty tickets in the venue. I, I I understand that you're you're like I understand your misgivings, but I think they're going to get it this time. I don't know if they're always going to get it. Yeah, there could be a curiosity. But factor. I think I think there's a curiosity factor because it's a new promotion. They're bringing back some old favorites. Mm-hmm. Robbie Royce was a pretty big deal at one point. Well, in he's not retired. He's still very active, and he, he's still really good. I think it might be his first match out of the pandemic. It is, yeah. ATM I, is on the show, too. Exactly. Here's the reality, though. You're, I get now. A lot of promoters have reached out to me and said, stop preaching about the ticket price, because they're mad. They, they're, they're fighting hard to get the value up, and I'm, I'm questioning it, but here's the reason why they're doing it. Their venues are holding 150 or 175 people. And because there's that much supply, there's a very fixed amount of supply, that they, they think that they can create the demand of people who will pay that ticket price. Right. So good luck. I hope it works. I'd love to hear it's a sellout. Um, and if it is, you know, the talent should get paid. The relationship between the talent and the promoter has to become stronger. I talk about exclusivity, and a lot of people don't like that either. There is a value to exclusivity. If you can only see AJ Sanchez once a month or twice a month in Winnipeg, there's a value to that. People will get excited and pay to see AJ Sanchez that many times. Or anybody for that matter. ATM, Robbie Royce, Rob Stardom, right? If you see them now four or five times because they're going to work CWE and they're going to work Winnipeg Pro Wrestling and then they're going to work 3D Championship Wrestling or 3D Pro Wrestling, it's not going to be... It's not to the promoter's best interest. So what promoters now need to do is work on establishing their credibility, especially with the talent and the fan base at once, and and make that work. Uh, I hope it works. We're going to talk about it next week. We're gonna we're gonna circle back to this. Yeah, and, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I hope to hear that they it was standing room only and the people couldn't come in if they wanted. To. I, I think it will be. I'm really hoping. I got my fingers crossed. And my friend in Edmonton, heavy metal. Just announced he's got a date coming up in June. Top Talent Wrestling Academy is running what they call the Midway, which is a bar. And wow, this bar looks amazing. Yeah. You want to talk about a ticket price, though. Do you know what they're charging? No. $40. Whoa. I'm not even going to get started. Are they getting a house with that? Obviously, there's a confidence here. Okay? Listen, fans. Support your local indie is my number one message to you. If you see the value in that ticket, buy it. I personally find a hard time wrapping my mind around this when you can get a CFL ticket to the Great Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you can be in the building for $33. Yeah. How we're getting to 40 and and how we're getting within $7 of that in Winnipeg, guys, you got to consider what the competition is. And that's not it. Listen, promoters, I, I you know I'm doing my best to support you. I talk about you. I retweet all your stuff. But you got to make sure the value is there for what you're asking for. Now, maybe we talk about business plans amongst the promoters. They don't have a business plan. What they do is they develop a show budget. And on paper, they look at all the expenses they have to run a show. And then they look at what what they want to do with the amount of fans that they know they can draw. And if that number equals break even or profit, they go with it. But it's not a business plan. They don't have a grander vision to grow the market. They don't have a grander vision to grow into bigger venues. And that could be a problem. If my friend Heavy Metal can get $40 a ticket, let me shake his hand. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm wrong, and he's right. But make sure you're at, the value has to be proportionate to what you're asking your fans to pay. Because in an, in an inflationary period where the, where the economy is getting soft, if the economy bottoms out in wrestling, it's going to be very hard to go back to $15 if you've lost the trust of the fans when you asked for $40. Yeah, for sure. Especially, yeah, like that's just... 
I don't know if he can get it. Good for him. I mean, that's all I have to say. Good for him if he can get it. But we'll we'll see. I'm concerned, and and it's not to say I don't think it'll be successful. I hope fans hear this and and prove me wrong. Yes, big time. And the next one I wanted to talk to talk about is my friend Shaggy Campbell. Tommy Lee Curtis is the booker for Cloud9 Wrestling. I didn't know he was the booker. I'm pretty sure he's the booker. Because every time I try to get booked, he's the one who sends me a, hey, Mike, he's just not what we're looking sends for. Sends you a blow-off? Yeah. yeah. It, it's a polite blow-off, but it's kind of like, hey, Keep listen, working at a kid and uh, Keep t- talking about BCs. Uh, we don't trust you as a wrestler. We don't think you can come make a comeback this late in your life. Um and then, uh, as for a referee, we're pretty happy with our referee staff. As for ring announcer, we know we've got a good one. As for TV commentator, you know, Mike, we liked your work, but it's just not good enough. I've heard it all from yep. Shaggy. But he's uh, they run in Minot, and uh, he uses a lot of top Winnipeg guys, AJ Sanchez, Mentolo, and uh, a few others. It's going to be interesting when they get back up and running. I don't think they've run a show since the pandemic. Maybe they have. I could be wrong. But how guys are going to be able to get to the show, it, like every wrestler now has to be vaccinated. That's and, true. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they're all vaccinated or whatever their personal choice is. But if they're not vaccinated, it might mean that there's a talent void for uh cloud nine wrestling. They might then have to use only American talent. And that would be crappy for the Canadian guys who are, who are trying to get a, a break in the States. You could be right, Mike. You could be right. Moving right along, it is time for our interview with former WWE superstar Eugene. Now, during this interview, we did have some line connection issues, so we will be running an abbreviated version of the interview right now. We apologize for the muffled audio, but this was still too good not to run. So here it is, Mike Davidson talking with former WWE superstar Eugene. My old friend, Nick Dinsmore, also known as Eugene. Thank you so much for being the first ever guest on the Total Beasties show. How are you today? I'm hanging and banging and fucking and bugging here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, brother. Sioux Falls is such a close drive to where I am, and we never see each other, and that's a damn shame, isn't it? I know. I, I've been up to Winnipeg once in the past several years. I got dropped off at the border. I had to walk across. They looked at me like I was crazy. January... With my bag, but those can those all prevailed. Those Canadian border guards are something else, aren't they? I wouldn't too bad. Oh, good, good. Um, so today I wanted to talk to you about like there was this recent thing that Triple H said where he said independent wrestlers have bad habits and that they would rather focus on untrained profe- or untrained a- uh, athletes coming out of college to make them future WWE superstars. To me, that almost seemed like the WCW power plant method of the late 90s, something I know you're a little bit familiar with. And it kind of takes away from what the golden era of the WWE developmental system was, which was Ohio Valley in the early 2000s. And I know you know a lot about that. So how, how was the Ohio Valley days in terms of developing talent? And they developed so many Hall of Fame talent during that era. What, what can you tell us about that? Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was we would train five days a week, Monday through Friday, for maybe three or four hours a day. Um, and it started off as, as some of the more experienced guys that had been around OVW before the developmentals came in. I believe the developmentals came in 1998. Um, well, there was a group of us that had wrestled for OVW because it had been open since 1993. Myself, Rob Conway, Doug Basham, Danny Basham all had about three-ish years' experience when all the new guys started coming in. So we would wrestle them on shows. And at the same time, Cornette came in as a matchmaker. He would write all the storylines. Danny would be in the uh, in the arena training. You know, and, and all these guys were were prime athletes, you know, NCAA champions, and like the cream of the crop in, in athletics. Some of them knew professional wrestling, had a little bit of experience. Some of them didn't. But um, it was just uh, the guy the ring wrestler. It's just experience. That's all it is. is guys, I understand what we're trying to do, and just reps at it. Okay, so at that time they ran it like a like a territory almost. It was an independent wrestling company that was developing talent for television for WWE. I think that system worked really well if you think about the the output of great talent, right? Yeah, I mean by by the track record, it, it went really well. But when you look at when NXT came out and probably the dollars in return for the amount of, of money they put in, I would say it'd be better because they got so many more characters that have come out which gives you so many more action figures which gives you so many more t-shirts as opposed to six guys that came out of Louisville that sold a lot of t-shirts and a lot of action figures does that make sense yeah that makes sense absolutely I guess that, that that's something I probably never I, even I, 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 I don't know which one is better uh, you know the, the, the athletes that succeed you know and, and they will succeed I always say that the, the cream will rise to the top so the guys that, that really want it and get it can 
you know, they shouldn't have any reason that they fail at, at the performance center or if they were at OVW because everything they needed was there. So, like you think about it, Brock Lesnar was considered that athlete without wrestling experience. John Cena was the professional wrestler with independent experience. And you could say argue points for each one of them for who was bigger or who did more for business, right? Absolutely, yeah. They're, they're neck and neck. They're, they're probably, probably two of the only superstars that we have kind of actively performing. Absolutely. And Randy Orton, I think, went to Ohio Valley with no experience. And then at the same time, Batista had experience. So there's so many good comparables from the Ohio Valley days. I'm worried that right now in the new age, when they're going strictly after aged out college athletes, that they're going to miss a lot of good independent wrestling talent. But they say they have bad habits. What kind of bad habits would Triple H be speaking of? Well, guys, that, that, that might have a psychology on what they want their match to be like. And the thing is, is it's, it's not their match, it's the people's match. We're, we're rather to find out what the people want to see or to do what the guy that's paying you to do what's as best your ability. I feel like also, you know, some, some, some independent guys have bad habits and just the way they can lock up or certain little specific mechanics that they have to be corrected and it, it just causes friction. They want to be able to take somebody from nothing and build them up everything. The athletes that they can take from, from bottom up. But if there was a superb independent athlete out there that got themselves over, I don't think WWE would pass them down. No, but lately they've been getting rid of those indie darlings who've all been going to all elite wrestling. It's almost like they, they want to wipe the slate clean and have no history on guys. Is that is that part of their motivation? I, I, I can't I don't know what their motivation is. I mean, maybe there's a class of athlete that they want, and I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. I'm not in anymore. Yeah, no, I guess that makes sense. So Eugene right now is on what they what you're calling a retirement tour. I certainly hope that this is not going to be a short tour. I hope it goes forever. Well, you know, handsome Jimmy Valiant was on retirement tour for 15 years. Kiss has been on retirement tour for 12 years now. So the retirement tour is just the name of the tour. And somebody said, okay, when does the tour end? I said, it ends when I have my last match. So, so this could go five years, 10 years, maybe? Hopefully. Oh, I'm good. I there's, hope. There's, there's, there's no rolling in the seat, well, I can tell you one thing. I do know for a fact that before 2022 is over, Eugene's retirement tour is going to probably make his way to Winnipeg. You may not know it yet, but I guarantee you're coming to Winnipeg. I'm, I'm ready for it. Winnipeg's my home away from home. Yeah, well, we have a lot of listeners from all over Western Canada, so how how should they get at you if they want to book you for their for your retirement tour? And we're not done yet. We're going to keep going, but I want to find out how they should get at you if they want to book you. The email is Eugene Nixonmore, E-U-G-E-N-E-N-I-C-K-D-I-N-S-M-O-R-E at gmail.com or follow me on the Twitter and send me a message at U, the letter U, G-E-N-E, Dinsmore, D-I-N-S-M-O-R-E. And we're going to have on Instagram too, but I don't use it that often. <laughs> and we're going to share that for all the promoters out there that want to book you, especially the ones in Western Canada and my friends in Winnipeg who need to book you. Uh, a couple other questions I had. You worked for Jim Cornette for many years. You were very close with him. Uh, he was your booker in Ohio Valley. What are the funny Jim Cornette stories that we don't know about yet? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, he, he, uh, I think one of the funniest ones, I wasn't there. And I think he said this. But I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of people that knew it, but uh, the whole incident with Santino Morella. The thing that really upset him was when he, when he stood up and shit his pants. <laughs> Before, he was just going to go over and, and yell and say, you know, but when he got up so quick, he said he shit his pants. And he was just excited. <laughs> So Cornette, yeah. So Cornette crapped his pants when he was going. He's he got hot and he lost control, and that's what pissed him off. Was, yeah. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. I I I've, I I had an unfortunate incident where I had to be taken out off a beach in an ambulance because I I did it on a beach. So I I faked that I that my Crohn's disease was giving me trouble, and they had to call an ambulance because it was the only way I was getting off the beach with any saving any kind of face. Um, how important, <laughs> sorry to change speeds on you. How important was Rip Rogers to the development of the guys in Ohio, in Ohio Valley when you were there? Rip was the guy that, that helped have the light bulb come on for the guys that the light bulb is going to come on for. Some guys just don't pick up pro wrestling and pick up what we're trying to do above and beyond doing moves and looking cool, you know, but like Lance Cade had trained with Shawn Michaels. He went to HWA and trained with Les Factor, but not until he came to Rip did the light bulb come on. I, I wrestled for about, Six years before the light bulb came on, wrestling with Rip almost on a weekly basis. And uh, he was just a, a guy that could get guys to understand that we're trying to do something more and the art we're trying to do is a little bit different and the reaction will be more as opposed to 
toward Johnny and let's just beat each other up because it looks cool. That's amazing. And actually, Rip Rogers and Mike Mondo, someone else you know, uh, their Twitter accounts are so helpful to young talent right now. They're sharing pearls of wisdom and giving people little, little, uh, almost like t- t- tutorials on um, on on psychology. I th- and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, especially with Mike Mondo, you probably helped him a lot, didn't you? I did, but but I learned it from Rip. Mondo learned it from Rip. It's, 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 all of it is, is, is Rip stuff. He's the one that, you know, we'd be in classes in five days a week and somebody would make a mistake and he'd sit everybody down and say, this is why this is a mistake. This is what you can do better. This blah, blah, blah. Give an example. And the guys that can understand it would understand it. And some people, you know, didn't quite understand it. Or, But then it comes to maybe you do understand it, but then when you, when you try to apply it in a live setting with other people in the ring, sometimes it becomes more difficult. The application becomes almost harder than the understanding. Mm-hmm. Good. That's good. Um, I One question I missed early on that I want to jump back to. We talk about the alumni of Ohio Valley and uh, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, yourself, Rob Conway, uh, Randy Orton, Batista. I'm probably missing at least a half dozen or a dozen. Out of all of those guys from that super group of talent from the early 2000s, which one is the number one guy? Well, uh, I'll I, I probably have to say Cena. Just by the fact that he's, he's kind of blowing up beyond this professional wrestling, but I I, I don't really know. Like like didn't Randy get the most money that Raw Raw's ever system award or, or get got that distinction? Yeah, yeah. If, if you look at it that way, then it's, it's Randy. You know, if he's spending more time on Raw, then you know it's Randy who's drawing more money. I don't know. Yeah, that's you know, who's had a bigger impact. You think about all the different factors. Batista and Le- and Cena became the bigger mainstream stars. Lesnar's drawing the most main events, probably. Randy Orton's been the most consistent. Like it's it's a you can't go wrong with any answer. I wanted your insight on it. I think that's that's really going to be the the challenge for WWE NXT right now. And the development center is how are they going to develop four mega stars like that or or more ten twelve that were that were created in Ohio Valley. That's sort of the benchmark, and I don't think the performance center can can spit out that much talent. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Uh, it's difficult because you're going to have Raw, you're going to have SmackDown, you're going to have NXT, so you're going to have, you know, that demographic that each one of those superstars, you know, headed, you have to have that for each one of those shows. So you're going to have, you know, three Ortons, three Cena's, three Bautistas, three Brock Lesnar's, in, in that kind of category speaking. Um, and you're right, that's a lot of talent to break out. Yeah, I think it might be impossible. Last thing I want to ask you about is you recently debuted as a comedian. How how did that go? And and what are the similarities between being a stand-up comedian and your history as a wrestler? What did you draw from your wrestling career to to become a comedian? Uh, well, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm, I'm a comedian. I, I, I do a comedy show. I call it using sit-down comedy and storytelling. It's sit-down comedy because I don't think I'm doing it for stand-up yet. But I just tell some of the the book. I just took some of the some of the locker room jokes that I might have in my back pocket, but it's more telling stories of things that I've seen and done in the wrestling business. Like the time that I thought I was when I first started dating my wife, and I thought I was sexing her, being under the influence, and I actually sexed Shelton Benjamin. And the <laughs> next day, he was none too happy. <laughs> was it an inappropriate text? Can you say or no? Oh yeah, very. It was. It was. It was. Yeah, it was very descriptive. Like you know, I, I just started dating her. I was like, oh, I want to see you and. I'm gonna blah blah blah, and this is gonna happen. Bring add this and the whipped cream, and Shelton was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> "Oh my!" Well, was there a picture attached, or was it just words? <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, there's no picture. Oh, <laughs> that, that's amazing. Well, I can tell you one thing. I, 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 I was just going to say, I sorry to cut this short today. I could talk to you forever, but one thing I wanted to say is the Total She show here, and we're based in Winnipeg, but we talk about all kinds of independent wrestling and the economics. But I can tell you, we're going to be doing a launch show, a launch show at some point this summer or early fall, and I definitely am going to do whatever it takes to have you be there. Uh, one of the things we're going to be trying to put together is the roast of yours truly, Mike Davidson, and I could think of very few other people than you who could probably roast me good. I would do my best. All right. Thank you so much for making time for us today. And, and again, for people who want to book you, you can find Eugene on, on Twitter and get at him if you want to book him. He's definitely a great addition to any show. All right, brother. Thank you so much. 
This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bees Cheese Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code Bees Cheese. Again, the code is B E E Z. S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. Once again, thanks to former WWE superstar Eugene for that interview with Mike Davidson. A very, very good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, and a good friend of the show. We'll, We'll definitely be having him on again and, you know... Keep your ears open for stuff going on with Eugene Dinsmore. Um, on to uh, the main event, almost, kind of, in a way, Heels. Heels has become such a popular segment on the show, people want to know our takes on it. It's one of my favorite segments on the show. Even if you've never watched Heels, we're only four episodes in of, of breaking it down, so you could binge watch between now and episode six and catch up to us. Yeah, and, and if you haven't watched Heels and you're worried about spoilers, you should probably do that. You should well, probably go and watch, binge the episodes, at least get up to episode four so we're not ruining anything for you. And, and, we're, and we're not ruining, actually, if you watch it after we break it down. No, we're, uh, we're not ruining anything, but people are real sensitive about spoilers these days. Uh, you know how it is. I gotcha. So what did we see on episode four? Okay, so I'm just going to go through some, some of my bullet points here just to keep things moving along. Recap of Wild Bill on the plane. Of course, he's got that awful light-up belt on and a massive dong yeah, hanging down, down to his, to his knees. knees. Yeah, <laughs> like it was, it's crazy. That was, I had a hard time watching that. You hear me talk about the nudity when uh, Crystal is nude. Yeah. I wasn't quite as excited when 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 Bill was showing. I his. certainly was far less engaged. Yeah, I'll I, say I, that I was uh, I was mortified almost. It, but it was it was so apropos, and and you you sort of brought this up in an earlier episode that he's like kind of a throwback, a harken to Michael P. S. Hayes. Yeah, and when I saw that on the plane, I was like, that's totally something. Michael Hayes would do. I got a funny dong story I'm going to tell after we're done reviewing. Oh, I can't wait. Involves Nick Bockwinkle. Oh my gosh. (laughs) All right. So moving on from there, Jack's house catches fire and it's due to the squirrels chewing the wires and his wife has been all over him to take care of these squirrels in the attic. Which Allison Love told him an episode ago, we got to worry about these squirrels and less about this wrestling script. Luckily, no one was hurt, and the house wasn't totaled. Yeah. And he puts it out with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, and she's mad. She, I have a, I wonder if she, let me, I'll tell you. I think that as a wife, she's getting tired of this wrestling crap. And Like most wives. Yeah, exactly. And listen, Jack Spade better be smart, because I don't think that too many indie guys land a wife like that. And if they lose a wife like that, it's hard to replace her. Let me be honest. Maybe that's a plot twist coming up. Maybe it's a big divorce angle. Ugh. Oh, that's that's messy. Don't want to think about that. Okay, so Jack's got a killer idea because he wants to bring in some money for the DWL, but that's also his his push to tell her not to go to work. She wants to go to work. He says, we're bringing in some money for the DWL. It's going to be huge. We're going to sell our back catalog of content. And he does this, or he thinks he's going to do this, with a viral social media campaign. But he's got to squeeze. He's got to squeeze his sponsor for a few dollars. And his, his sponsor's already, as we talked about, a little bit of a greasy guy. Yeah, it's the, the, the pastor who's the... Uh, the pawn shop pawn preacher. Sh- yeah, pawn shop preacher. What I don't understand is why does he need the... Now, obviously, I, I live in the real world and they live in a script. But if he has content that's worth anything... He doesn't need a sponsor because YouTube has that platform where if you have a thousand followers, you can run ads through, sorry, not Facebook, YouTube. I mix the two up all the time, but you can run your YouTube catalog. Yeah. And if they have any, if he's got what he thinks he's got, he'll make money off it. Hannibal in Ottawa is making a killing off his, his YouTube presence. Rob Stardom, our friend with his vlog, his whole end game is to try to get up to a thousand followers and then run YouTube advertising. Yeah. What is, what is, why does he need the sponsor? And the sponsor blows him off and laughs at him. And, this, and totally blows him off and says, it's not part of, you know, not, not part of our plans. We don't want to put any more money into it. What I do need is for the car lot. So he yeah. wants a car lot. Promo. So he runs up, this guy is a preacher. He runs a car lot. A used car lot. Shop. Yeah. This guy's greasy. He's super, the super sponsor. greasy. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't work. He, he blows him off. He blows him off. Jack's mad, blah, 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 yeah. as, you'd Here's ex- the other as thing. you'd expect. If you're pitching a sponsor, you know I'm not a big fan of Jack, but if you're pitching a sponsor 
and they say no, don't take it personal. And don't be, don't have a hissy fit. Yeah, like it's reality. You're pitching a sale, and sometimes the sale doesn't work. You, you shake hands, you keep the relationship strong, and you come back another day. Exactly. You go out and you prove him wrong, and then he's going to want to come and, and sponsor you yeah. in the future, and when, then you can charge him a little more. Yeah, when the hits are high, he's going to want to be a part of that. But anyway. Moving on from there, Bobby and Crystal sort of link up in this episode, so to speak. He's trying to get a new gimmick going. She's helping him out with it, and they basically spend the entire episode in sort of a cute date Bobby slash Pin, gimmick idea. Bobby Pin, the impressionable rookie, has taken a shine, like a big crush on Crystal. Of course, now Crystal's, I don't, I think she's still perhaps involved with, with Ace, maybe still sexually, yeah. they don't say. But Bobby clearly is starting to develop a crush, and she's at one point says, uh, hey, you know, we should maybe not hang out in public because you're work, we're working a program against each other. So she's trying to maintain kayfabe. Um, I think it's interesting. It starts a love triangle between Ace and Bobby and, and Crystal. And for the women, like, obviously this show is going to cater to men who are wrestling fans. But if you have the right love triangle, you might start to draw women. That's what total bell, yeah. uh, total, total divas with WWE drew more women than men. So. And, and that's absolutely what they're trying to do. Yeah. Cl- clearly they're trying to, uh, to double dip and good for them because it's a, an engaging storyline. Like I'm yeah. interested. Bobby's so, uh, down home spun yeah. midwestern almost like and they they've cut his mullet so he looks extra cute type thing <laughs> you like that yeah hey? oh yeah oh uh, so the big thing there is ace and jack is the main conflict in the show protagonist antagonist i'm not sure which one's protagonist but in this episode They're, ace keys bobby pins vehicle that's what i was going to get at because he sees him hanging with crystal and he gets all of a sudden jealous and possessive yeah and it, it, he's like a child he's very much like a child if somebody else has the toy he wants that toy yeah like he wouldn't have anything to do with crystal before but now oh bobby pin but bobby was hilarious he's oh someone keyed my car it looks like a racing stripe he's not even mad no like he, you see him be a little bit mad for like just a split second and then he's like he turns his head he's like it looks like a racing stripe and he smiles and, and Talk about turning everything into a positive. Absolutely. It's like a few weeks ago when I said I was having a character building day. I didn't build any character. I was mad. Oh, you became character builder, Chris. I, I forgot to call you that, that the last you, couple weeks. You did forget to call me that. Yeah. Well, that's that's where the Ace... And, and they also shoot an angle. Uh, sorry to expand yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. They shoot an angle at what looks like a... Uh, laundry mat or car wash or it's like a, a gas, gas station, station car wash and laundry Crystal's mat. working there because she's got a uniform and yeah. I guess that's how they lined it up that they could use it as a set and uh, Ace and Bobby Pin work an angle where they where Ace jumps Bobby Pin because Ace is the new heel yeah Bobby's the big baby face and that wasn't bad it was let me tell you what it wasn't it wasn't the four horsemen jumping dusty roads like it didn't have that intensity no but i think that's what they were trying to get at it was pretty it was pretty reminiscent of booker t and stone cold steve austin in 7-eleven ah yeah okay. very, very similar to that so it wasn't trying to throw back to the four horsemen in the I, 80s? I don't i don't think so i think it was trying to throw back to that because oh, okay. it seemed very similar except they didn't use milk like uh, like those guys did yeah. but um, I, I like that. They went through the car wash fighting, you know, and they ended up doing it again, I think. Not that that matters, but it was super interesting. And it, and it kind of, it made me laugh because it was something I often thought about when I was working. Like what, when to, I first started. To do an on-location shoot? Yeah, when I first started wrestling, I worked at 7-Eleven, like a lot of a lot of wrestlers did. Yeah. And I always thought, you know, it would be great because I worked overnight. So I was like, it'd be great if we brought somebody in overnight. It's quiet and just shot a little thing. You know what you should have shot? What's if I up? was going to try to get you over, I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a pretty good booker. If I knew you worked at 7-Eleven and you were a wrestler and you were trained, I would introduce a character of you. <laughs> Rob started and have, did that. Have somebody, have somebody come in with a handgun and hold you up and you wrestle the handgun oh. away, take the guy to the ground and reverse it and now you have legitimate credibility coming in as a, a big 7-Eleven wrestler who's not afraid of an armed robber a big baby yeah Rob Stardom had a had in the SPW had a 7-Eleven guy yeah he no, wore, he wore not a smock. slurpy I, he it was a joke but that's how I would introduce you as a character and then after you wrestled the guy with the gun and got him to the ground I'd make you a jobber <laughs> yeah so so you have all this credibility that you can be a hero and then I'd make you an enhancement talent. and then you job me out yeah typical then, Mike then the commentators would have a field day you know he, he's not afraid of a man with a handgun he doesn't do very well against the heels in the company but he, a man with a handgun he's really good against that might get the heels over though they beat a guy who beat a guy with a handgun yeah, yeah. well if the heels had a handgun you'd take him to the ground but when they just use their hands and wrestling moves they they get the upper hand on you so Jack and Ace in this episode they're not quite as at odds as they have been in other episodes and they're most besides that 
gas station brawl part, they're mostly kept apart, Mm -hmm. which is good. Now, at this point, Ace has bumped into Wild Bill, who's who's bumbling around town. They have obviously fired. He gets fired officially for showing his pecker on the plane. Obviously fired, but he's not a cop into that. But he's he's selling around town, as they say. Yeah, selling around, trying to play. And so Jack catches wind of this, and he's like, "I'm I'm going to confront Wild Bill and tell him to stay away from Ace." You know who we should tell him to stay away from is uh, Willie. Willie, yeah. Yeah, because it comes out that they're also involved. They they were involved. Her husband with him. And her husband kicks him out, and he has to go to the local hotel. But uh, Wild Bill is spinning out of control, and and Jack goes to him, and he's, he's going to tell him stay the way, stay away from Ace because he fills Ace's head with garbage. And he finds he finds him at an ice machine, and and Wild Bill doesn't see him, but he finds him at an ice machine trying to get ice. He's beaten on the thing. He's clutching his hip, clutching his knees like it's the old wrestler thing. Like he's sore, he's stiff, he needs down. ice. He's broken down. Yeah. And so he, uh, Jack has a little bit of sympathy for him, and he just sort of, sort of turns around and walks away. Yeah, doesn't confront him, doesn't let it escalate, and just kind of knows it's kind and of pathetic at this point. It is. And then Wild Bill gets bombed on whiskey, Wild Turkey, yeah. and he goes up on the roof of, of the hotel in his wrestling gimmick. And you know what? I was worried he was going to jump. That's I what thought I thought. I thought they were setting up uh, the second part of the suicide angle. Yeah. But that's not what no, happens. No, he goes up there and he goes goes crazy. He goes back into old Wild Bill mode and, I'm Wild Bill, who wants to play? You know, and he's jumping up and down and the hotel lights are coming on and dogs yeah, are barking. all the guests are probably hot and calling down to the front desk, get this guy out of here. Well, he's did you, be did you see that hotel? There's definitely like crap falling into people's yeah. jacuzzis. So... Yeah, that's the end of the episode, and this is my favorite episode so far. I, I know really? it's, it's not as action-packed as other episodes, but I just really like the story. It filled in so much. Yeah, they added layers, especially to Ace with Bobby Pin. They added a lot of layers to Bobby Pin. We didn't get a lot of rooster riping and talking about leaving. Um, it's gr- It was a good episode. It's halfway through the season. we got four episodes left. It's an eight-episode season. Um, you know... I think I'm going to give it nine turnbuckles out of twelve. Oh, so down this week. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm giving it ten. Well, so I like the series a lot. Yeah, but I don't love the characters. I like Crystal a lot. I like uh, what's what's uh, what's Jack's wife's name? Allison, Allison Left. What's her character name? Oh, I forget now. Okay, not important because they don't mention her by name. She's going to get a job at the grocery store. Yes. So I like some characters. I'm not a big Wild Bill fan, even though it's based on Michael Hayes, and I get a sick amusement out of it. And I really have a hard time with Jack, as you know, last week. I yeah. ranted and raved. And Ace is Ace. I don't like him. I wish he was played by Jim Helwig. Um, but yeah, nine, nine turnbuckles out of 12. See, I, I, I'm a big fan of Wild Bill. I think he, he's, he makes a series in well, a lot of ways. When we were talking about Bill's dong, I've got a dong story for you. Exactly. That's what I we're leading into. I don't call it dong. So Marty Gennetti, I love Marty. He shared a story with me via Facebook a couple years ago. It involved Nick Bockwinkle, the legendary Nick Bockwinkle and Kurt Henning. And they're in a locker room, and Nick used to get buck naked. And this old-timers used to do this. Dusty Rhodes used to walk around the locker room buck naked. Is it buck naked or butt naked? I think it's buck. It's buck. Okay, buck. <laughs> like one buck, three bucks. Um, anyway, they're buck naked. He's buck naked. He walks up to Kurt, and he's, he wants to talk about something with Kurt segment. He goes, Kurt, my boy, which is a throwback, I believe, Jim Barnett. It is, say, yeah. My boy. My boy. I never met Jim, so that imitation is only what I've heard other people imitate. Yeah, based on everything else. And I never met Nick either, so this is all secondhand. But he walks up to Kurt, and he's like, Kurt, my boy. And his pecker is hanging a little close to Kurt's head. Kurt's not happy. He's not happy about it. So he says, Nick, if you don't get that pecker away from my head, I'm going to punch you square in the balls. And Nick ignores him and just continues the conversation. And Kurt apparently hauled off and punched Nick Bockwinkle right in the oh nuts. Oh, my gosh. And uh, and basically, the mental picture of this, of Nick Bockwinkle sitting on the bench selling his, his junk after he got punched in the nuts. And it would not be an unprovoked nut shot. That would be a provoked nut shot. If somebody walked up to me with their pecker hanging anywhere close to me, and I said, please have a respect for me to get that pecker away from me, and the guy didn't have that respect, I am going to punch him in the balls. Yeah, and to paint that picture further, like based on the time frame in my mind, we're talking about a young a young Kurt Henning and a f- mid-40s Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah. 
Like and Kerr was tough. Like yeah. that punch, if he if he meant to, he could probably send him to the hospital. <laughs> there's there's stories like that. Kurt was a tough guy. How do you think Nick sold that? Kurt, my boy, kid. Kurt, you what? didn't have to do that. What are you doing, kid? <laughs> yeah, so that's so that's it, Kurt, my boy. Okay, so I got I got something else I want to do. Talk. You okay? Yeah, I know you. I, we're probably running short on time. I think this is I think this is the same thing. Are we talking about? Uh, no, we're not talking about no. Okay. Uh, what we're going to talk about, I want to I want to bring it back from last week, okay? I want to bring it back from last week. I went off on my cousin, Vance Nevada. Right. And it wasn't fair because Vance isn't here to defend himself. And it was stories that were more than 20 years old. Surprise, he's here. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> yeah, this, this all stems from you shouting out to him without I know, telling me. I know. I think I started all this. Everyone believes that I hate Vance Nevada. And truthfully, I don't. I don't at all. I wonder if he hates me, but I've never asked him, right? We're cousins. My mom and his mom are sisters. So everyone listening, when I rip on Vance, they get a good kick out of it because they think it probably bothers Vance, and they think Vance gets to me, and Steve Stryker thinks I'm obsessed with Vance. And I talk about Vance a lot. Now, let me tell you why I talk to Vance. When I grew up, I had a hero worship for a couple of guys. Chi-Chi Cruz was one. Uh, Rick Martell was one. Um, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning, who I just talked about, was one. And my cousin Vance, who at the time was just Vern, Vern May. My cousin Vern was my hero. In fact, when he broke into local wrestling in 1993, it's no fluke that by 1995, I was right behind him to become a referee. I learned so much from so few people. And I will always be grateful for that. Uh, Steve Stryker, who treated a 16-year-old kid who is a fellow sports fan. He treated me great. Stan Saxon, who taught me almost everything I learned about booking, uh, was always really, really kind to me. Robbie Royce, Andy Anderson. And I would be remiss if I didn't put over the man who put me into the PWI 500 at 4.30. I would be, it would be a disservice to listeners if you all got this vibe that I hate Vance and I don't see redeeming qualities. He's my cousin. We share a grandmother who's 81 years old and on Facebook. Might be, yeah, I think she's 81. She's over 80 and she's on Facebook. Um, he's my family. I think of, I don't have a brother. I talk about Sean Brown like he's my brother. I right. talk about Jeez Weeze like he's my brother. But before all of them, Vance Nevada was like a brother to me. Some of the animosity comes from, I took over the territory from him. He was the booker, then I became the booker. So the comparable was natural. Houses went up when I took over. Not, no offense to Vance, it's true. Um, and then Vance left the territory, and, and you know, for whatever, uh, 2001 to 2010, I was kind of the king of the castle, yep. although I had my hiatuses and my, my sabbaticals. Um, and then in 2008, Vance wrote a book, and I, I can't remember the name of the book, it's not important, but it was clear in that book, Vance might have been airing old scores, and I've always called him out for it. Right. So that if there is animosity, maybe it comes from the book. There was animosity from his side before that with me. Right. But I don't hate Vance Nevada. And I'm going to make that. I don't at this point in my life, don't hate anybody. Um, but I especially don't hate my cousin who I love dearly, you know. And so if Vance hears it, I want him to know that there's no heat on this end. He's the one who's got me blocked on social media uh, because I'm a loose cannon. Nobody knows what I'm going to say or do and who I'm going to rib or how I'm going to rib them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Vance, if you hear this, I don't want you thinking because of what I said in episode four, which was a 20-year-old story, that there's no redeeming qualities there. Yeah, know? and I like I like Vance Nevada, but yeah, I, you make that clear I, every I prob- chance I you probably get. brought it brought it on, brought all this yeah, on. Yeah, when you shot a shout-out that I didn't see coming. That, that's right. So I uh, I apologize in one sense. In another sense, you're, you're, you're welcome. And I here's an open invitation. I'm, I'm building bridges here for you yeah. guys. Here's an open invitation. We don't have the advanced technology to make the guests sound like a million dollars if they're not in studio. Obviously, we just call them on the phone and shoot the she's. It's all bees she's. Vance, if you want to come on the show, I would love to have you. We'll we have can, you on. We can talk about 1990s Vance Nevada. We can talk about 2000s Vance Nevada. We can talk about current day Vance Nevada. I believe he's the booker for all-star wrestling in BC. Yes. And so Vance, no heat. Clear to every listener here. I do not hate Vance Nevada. I don't hate anybody. As for promoters, last thing I'm going to say. As for promoters, 
If you think I'm too critical of what you're trying to do, understand something. I want this territory hot. I want every independent territory hot. When I talk to my good friend, Nick Dinsmore, Eugene, I want every independent show that books him to have nothing but success. I want my friend Charlie Haas in Texas to have success. I want my friend Gangrel in Florida to have success. Every territory in the States, I want to have success. I want every single promoter in Western Canada to have nothing but good good fortune. So if you hear my criticisms today of ticket prices or your graphic design or anything, understand something. I want you to take something positive from everything I say. Feel free to message me if there's something I say wrong. But starting next week, I'm I'm wrapping up here, Chris. Sorry, I know you're no, no, you're good. Starting next week, I'm going to talk about the second half of 2022 and what I expect to see from all the Canadian promoters that I talk about, and I'm going to talk about my predictions and what I see that what I see their strengths are and what I think they need to focus in on. I'm going to talk about Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. I'm going to talk about Nation Extreme Wrestling, CWE. I'm going to talk about 3D, how they did on their inaugural show. I'm going to talk about every wrestling company I can find in Western Canada, Can-Am, Top Talent, uh, 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 Real Canadian Wrestling. Real Canadian Wrestling. I'm going to talk about y'all, and I'm going to try to make sure that the fans understand if they invest their money in buying the ticket, what they should be getting out of it. And before, before we wrap up, if you... Push the social media. Yeah, push the social media. We will do that. Of course, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, all that. The at Total, Total Bishies. But one thing I was just thinking of, if you are a promoter listening to this, and maybe you want to get on our radar, maybe we've never mentioned you or something along those lines... Get at us on the social media. Get at us on the Gmail. You can send us an email. Or if you think those guys are full of BSHs, send us an email. If I have to find you, and if I have to find you, I'm going to be critically honest, and it it might not be popular. Yeah, so so reach out to us. Yeah, tell me what I should be, tell me what you're proud of, and then I can build off of that. Well, it's, it's like they always say, you go and find the dragon to get his gold. You don't wait till the dragon comes and finds you. I've never heard that saying before. Well, now you have. You've <laughs> just learned something new. We have a special guest next week. I can't wait. What? For yeah. I don't even know about this. Well, I'm not going to oh say who it is. Oh, my God. But, uh, I don't know, somebody... It sounds like WS. It uh, could be WS. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to confirm or deny that. Uh, but Vance, you've got an open invitation. I hope you take it up, take us up on it. And... Uh, Chris, thank you for everything this week. I hope I was a little bit more laid back. Not so much caffeine running through my system. Glenn Goza, I love that. I love this tune. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Play us out, Glenn. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock? I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the romper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the iron claw as only the Vaughn Eriks can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friends, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling. Really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Why would this for a dozen girls and I wouldn't miss this for nothing I said honey I hope you ain't hurt she said I'm putting on my wrestling shirt I'm going to wrestling going to wrestling R-A-S-S-L-I-N that's wrestling R-A-S-S-L-I-N that's wrestling
last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon? <laughs>